on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that masked man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell, and for the next hour, we're going to excite, entertain, elucidate, and educate you with news, information, and exciting discussion about your favorite geeks. This is Fantastic Forum. Some genre-related news for you before today's discussion. Award-winning director-writer Hanel Culpepper of Hillview 789 Productions has been announced as the director of the upcoming pilot for the Captain Jean-Luc Picard series debuting on CBS All Access. Miss Culpepper will be the first woman to direct a pilot for the Star Trek franchise. She will also direct the series' second episode. She has directed two episodes of Star Trek Discovery. The as-yet-untitled series features Patrick Stewart reprising his role as Captain Jean-Luc Picard, and the show will follow Picard's life after completion of his successful mission as captain of the starship Enterprise D&E. The Game of Thrones Season 8 trailer dropped this week, and within the first 24 hours it had been viewed 81 million times across multiple platforms, including YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. It was a record for HBO. You can check it out on the Fantastic Forum Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Fantastic Forum. And while you're there, if you haven't already, like us and follow us on Twitter. We love to be liked and we like to be followed. Game of Thrones debuts on HBO Sunday, April 14th for its eighth and final season. It was announced this week that season eight of the CW superhero series Arrow will be its last. Arrow is the first and longest running of the DC Comics-based shows on the CW and was renewed for its eighth season in January. Star Stephen Amell thanked fans in a tweet in which he wrote that playing the hero had been the greatest professional experience of his career. In a statement, producers Greg Berlanti, Mark Guggenheim, and Beth Schwartz said, We're heartened by the fact that Arrow has birthed an entire universe of shows that will continue on for many years to come. We're excited about crafting a conclusion that honors the show, its characters, and its legacy and are grateful to all the writers, producers, actors, and, more importantly, the incredible crew that has sustained us and the show for over seven years. We were saddened to learn of the passing of Jan Michael Vincent, who died on February 10th. The actor gained prominence during the 1970s, starring in such movies as White Line Fever, Baby Blue Marine, The World's Greatest Athlete, and Damnation Alley. But he is best known as having played reclusive helicopter pilot Stringfellow Hawk on the 80s series Airwolf on CBS. He was 74. And today in Baltimore, Maryland is RetrieverCon, the annual anime convention of the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, UMBC, run by the UMBC Anime Society. Admission is free, and their anime showings, vendors, panels, a cosplay contest, and more. Convention hours are from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. It's on the third floor of the Commons at UMBC. For more information, visit www.retrievercon.com. And on today's show, we're talking about the latest, greatest movie from Marvel Studios, Captain Marvel, starring Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson and Jude Law and Annette Benning and a bunch of other people. The movie just opened yesterday. And before we begin the discussion, we have the official Fantastic Forum review of Captain Marvel. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. There was a lot of negative talk in the run-up to the release of Captain Marvel, the latest superhero movie from Marvel Studios, and much of it seems to stem from the fact the lead character is a woman. I was dismayed to read posts that alleged Marvel was forcing diversity upon its audience and that a balanced cast featuring women and people of color was unwelcome. 
I've noted a good deal of resistance in the so-called strange and banished press to inclusion of women and people of color, whether it's comic books or movies. Usually, it has been in reaction to a preponderance of those characters in relation to white males. And, again, usually, the negative reactions have been on the part of, you guessed it, white males. Now, I'm not going to use this review as a platform for a social justice crusade, nor am I going to dwell on my own preferences towards adherence to established character integrity. I will simply say that I'm disappointed by the reactions of many of my fellow fans. Having been a part of this heretofore fringe culture for decades that is populated by social outcasts and rejects, it saddens me to see us react in a similar fashion to those who tormented us. For every jock who made us the butt of jokes, there is now a nerd or geek ready to claim injured party status in the face of the inclusion of some traditionally underrepresented group. Captain Marvel is the first Marvel film to feature a female lead, and it is a fun movie. It has plenty of action, humor, and a measure of inspiration. I believe that everyone deserves to see heroes that resemble themselves, and Captain Marvel accomplishes that for young women. Brie Larson gives a delightful performance in the starring role. She plays Veers, a human woman with strange powers who has been living among a race of alien warriors called the Kree. Her past is a mystery to her. She's been suffering from amnesia since having awakened among the aliens following an accident six years earlier. The Kree are at war with another alien race known as the Skrulls. The Skrulls are shapeshifters who are able to assume the form of any being they see down to the genetic level. The battle between these aliens comes to Earth during the mid-1990s. The filmmakers have a lot of fun with period music and settings. When was the last time you saw a blockbuster video or Radio Shack? In the midst of the battle, Veers is joined by a young agent Nick Fury of S.H.I.E.L.D. as Samuel L. Jackson reprises the role. Veers and Fury must unravel the mystery of her past in order to save the future of Earth. Among the cast are Ben Mendelsohn, Jude Law, Jamon Honshu, Annette Benning, Lashana Lynch, Clark Gregg, Rune Tempty, Gemma Chan, Algenis Perez Soto, Chuku Moto, and a very talented child actress, Akira Akbar, you may have seen in television's This Is Us. Everyone is good. As a fan of the original Marvel comics, it was great for me to finally see Kree and Skrulls. Both races are Marvel staples associated with the Fantastic Four. Disney's acquisition of Fox allowed for their reintegration into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Although be warned, what you'll see in this movie bears minimal resemblance to either the Jim Starlin Captain Marvel comics or the Ms. Marvel comics which is what this character was called before becoming Captain Marvel. But that doesn't detract from the movie. I've come to accept that the comics, movies, and television shows are each their own thing. That is especially true here. Another first for Marvel Studios in this movie was a female co-director, Anna Bowden, who worked in concert with Ryan Fleck. Bowden and Fleck co-wrote the screenplay along with Geneva robertson Dwarrett. All three collaborated on the story with Nicole Perlman and Meg LaFave. Story-wise, I think it fell apart in the final act. The setup was good, but without spoiling anything, I think the writers may have been trying a little too hard. I also think this film's connections with the upcoming Avengers Endgame created certain necessities of plot and story that had to be met in order for that connection to work. And those connections were made, I think, at the expense of Captain Marvel. It's a burden the movie just doesn't bear well. It doesn't ruin anything, but Captain Marvel could have delivered a far more satisfying conclusion. Another first was a female composer, Pinar Toprak, who is no stranger to comics properties having composed for Justice League and the television show Krypton, provides a dynamic and engaging score. Of course, as we've come to expect from Marvel, the effects are top shelf. This is a very good-looking movie with high production values, albeit in line with established Marvel formulas. But I don't want to give you the impression that it doesn't take any risks, because the biggest was the female lead, and that pays off. Brie Larson makes the most of her opportunities, and there's a great chemistry with Samuel L. Jackson that both exploit to maximum effect 
particularly when it comes to the comedic elements. With a total runtime of 124 minutes, it won't let viewers get tired. It's a pretty tame PG-13 action sci-fi adventure. With no questionable language, nudity, or sexual situations, it's fine for kids, especially girls who will potentially identify with several characters. I really wanted to like this movie more than I did, but I think the filmmakers overreached. A lot to admire, but too much to overcome. Two stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. And there you have it, the official Fantastic Forum review of Captain Marvel, which opened yesterday. So, uh, that having been played, time for me to introduce my star-studded guest panel. And uh, joining us uh, via the miracle of Skype, we have uh, Philip Jean-Pierre Black Gorbachev. Uh, we all, yeah, yeah, we also have uh, the uh, creative director for Adobe Radio, Shereen Nicole, and uh, we also have uh, Drew Bittner. Um, Drew, I don't even know what in the heck to say about you. I was going to say something about <laughs> SF, SFWA, but uh, you know he's a he's a wonderful comics writer, and uh, actually he's just a wonderful writer. Period. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. and uh, from the underfoot. The one of the, the one of the creative drivers of that uh, fantastic new comic series that is uh, coming out from. Um, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Don't tell Lion me! Ford I, Lion Forge comics. Press. Yes, you know, I knew that. Emily Witten. Hello. Yeah, welcome to the show. Woo. Thanks. Uh, thanks for showing up, everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I would say that you heard my review, but you actually didn't. <laughs> Some wow. of you did. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, Captain. He's talking Marvel. about us, not you, radio listeners. <laughs> yeah. no, we, we, we didn't necessarily hear his review. Yeah. <laughs> we know, were pre-showing. Too, too busy uh, kicking around all this stuff. Now, um, where I would like to begin with this particular discussion is about the. Uh, the the very interesting lead up to the release of Captain Marvel because uh, one of the very disturbing elements and it's a disturbing element generally that geek culture has taken uh, is the fact that you had all these fanboys who were and I, I'll use the term hating on Captain Marvel and evidently we have as I said in the review uh, we have reached a point where the desire to present diversity is seen in a very negative light by uh, certain uh, certain elements of fandom. Uh, what do we think about that? Don't everybody talk at once. Actually, okay, Black Gorbachev, what do you think? Man? <laughs> uh, honestly, it's the classic case of, I mean, the basic premise behind it is, is they're watching a movie that's not about them. Uh, the idea of sharing is beyond them, and the idea of, you know, the idea of actually having parity and equity in visuals uh, for people is beyond them and makes them feel bad, which I don't really understand why, because the argument is not replacement, it's just sharing. But for some reason, when you create something that's not about the, you know, the singular, you know, toxic male who wants to be like, you know, what I refer what someone referred to as the, the, the Chuck Norris effect, where it's like I am the sole purpose of this entire thing, they just get mad. And I don't really understand the argument behind it, but it's always listed as, why are you mad at me? I'm just stressing an opinion. And then, they, then it turns into like a victim thing. It, it's just ridiculous for me. Mm -hmm. uh, Emily, I think you look I know like why you they're have, mad. There we go, yeah. I mean, well, and first I'm going to give a shout out to another great show. Sorry, Yuli. There's there's more than one, but this one is uh, one that they, they had me on a couple times in a row to talk about exactly this, the kind of stuff that went before the movie. Um, so the Comics Culture co uh, Cosplay Podcast at the CCC Podcast on Twitter the, uh, we talked about it last weekend and the one before, if I'm remembering correctly. I think that the problem is it comes from a place of fear uh, by the people who are um, not... They feel like maybe it's it's not going to be about them and they don't know what to do with it and they're afraid to lose the place they're at or what they think they have. And so it's like a clutching of what they don't want to lose and the funny thing about that to anybody who's not in that group is it's like well welcome to feeling like the rest of the human race you know welcome to feeling like the people who have had those experiences where it's not about us 
a lot of the time. Like, it's not about women. It's not about minorities. It's not about uh, people that aren't sharing one of the two main genders, gender roles. It's not about us in the majority of things you see in movies and TV. Less so in reading. There's a lot more out there if you read. But um, in terms of movies and TV, and especially the genre stuff and the comic book stuff and the old sci-fi and fantasy, it's often not about us. And so... There's a place of fear that people are coming from when, they, when they're like, oh, no, it's not going to be about us. And then the rest of the world, I feel like we should just all kind of be going, yeah. And your point okay, is? Well, well, I'll add to that that it's also the fear of having to compete. When mm-hmm. you're in a group that is automatically the top group and everybody else usually falls somewhere behind, mm-hmm. and then you, you talk about an open playing field where now you have to compete against everybody you're in a group where your mediocrity is still at the top of the bottom mm-hmm. i mean the bottom of the top yeah and then you go into this place where now your mediocrity is in the middle of everybody and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you don't have the same privilege to be at the top and they don't want to compete because they know they can't and the standard may shift and they're not sure how it's going to shift and that actually ties into a point I want to make about Captain Marvel but first Drew hasn't gotten a chance on this one yet so (laughs) well thank you we'll come back to that Um, point (laughs) I'm the the Emily you ought to take over as the host (coughs) Uh, I'm the white guy in the group so I'll I'll approach this from from my particular cohort Um, you all make a lot of great points and the truth is that the influence culturally, politically, demographically of the white male is diminishing in this culture. And that's been stoked for political purposes and cultural purposes. And this is an outgrowth of that. This is the same sort of anger and lashing out and fear and hatred that we see in our culture more broadly. This is just a microcosm of it. And the, the problem is that we can't address this rationally because this is not a rational thing. This is a purely emotional scream of outrage that, you know, I'm not at the center of the universe now. I'm not being paid attention to now. Mm-hmm. It's not the emotional all about trigger is like survival almost. It, it is. It's, it's, it's absolutely a fight or flight response. And there's no reasoning our way through this. And that's a problem. And what's interesting is that uh, maybe the the hostility that comes from it so up at the top and boiling over all the time is because uh, this group has not had to deal with the fight or flight and the emotional response in the way that, as I said, everyone else already deals with all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, That's you true. know, you get hollered out on the street and you're going to have to do something about it, whatever it is, and you learn how to either walk by and ignore it or yell something back or do whatever mm-hmm. you're going to do and then go on with your day because if you didn't, you wouldn't get anything done. So, I mean, that's that's a really interesting point, Drew, and I think that maybe it's like people learning how to deal with stuff and not learning it well because who's teaching them? There's no one there's no one there to be like, well, you know, maybe it's not all about you and you're going to have to figure out how to live your life in a way that you still do what you want to do, no, guys, but not guys, at the expense like of me, others. Guys like me do not get that whole mechanism, that whole defense mechanism of protecting yourself in these circumstances because we never had to. And this is a generational thing. For generations, white guys never had to worry about this. And right. now we're starting to have to think about it. And it's very threatening. It's very scary. And this, and, and some people are reacting very badly. And the response is irrational. Yes. Right, because you're not being you're not being presented with the question of being erased from the face of the planet, um, like you may have tried to do. But it um, certainly feels like it that feels to like them. that yeah. to them yeah. because yeah. again, it's an irrational response. They've never felt this. So you know, the first time you're afraid, it's the biggest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. But when you 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 know take a step back and sit down, you realize that what you're afraid of is not actually what's happening. And there's a deep rabbit hole that we can't go down in the Captain Marvel one episode hour long show we're going on here. But I want to just make the point that um, this is one reason why when you start asking, for instance, and I can talk as a woman, I am not a racial minority. But if you start asking women, you know, have you had the experience where you've been challenged as a geek? Someone's hollered at you on the street, this and that and the other. The stories start pouring out and people go, oh, how come we don't hear more about this on a daily basis? And it's because... Again, if we were talking about it all the time, every day, A, our blood pressure would be through the roof all the time, and B, we wouldn't get anything else done. So in a very sad way, you have to internalize it, ignore it, and move on some of the time and pick your battles, 
Or maybe you don't pick your battles. Maybe you're Harlan Ellison and you just, pu- pu- you know, fight all the time. You're that Harlan Ellison of the female population and you're just like, everything, full steam ahead. But it's it's a very sad thing that should be talked about in more detail, you know, in in different focus, that you ha- you end up in situations where the thing happens to you and you just are like, whoa, that happened to me and don't know what to do. Or you're like, you know what, I don't have time for this and don't act on it. Or one of the people where your friend gets attacked and then you're like, oh no, no you didn't because you haven't seen that before. But if you're attacked yourself, you're like, yeah, that, that happens. And it's very sad, but that's that's a part of the whole system that mm-hmm. is needs help. Mm-hmm. Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming on WERA.FM. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by uh, Black Gorbachev, uh, Philip Jean-Pierre. <laughs> I like uh, we to also call have... him Man Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> we also have Shereen Nicole, Emily Witten, and Drew Bittner. Now, um, one thing that I want to point out, because something else that really set these trolls off uh, was the star, Brie Larson of Captain Marvel, and a number of her comments uh, before the release of the film. Uh, what do we think about that? Uh, Black Gorbachev? Oh, I, I read the article that supposedly set everyone oh, yeah? off. Oh, okay. Well, wait, well, wait just a second. Let's okay, let sorry. Black, uh, we're going to let Black Gorbachev get a word in. Yeah, he's on Skype, so it's hard. <laughs> um, uh, Are you familiar with what she was talking about before the movie? I am familiar with what she was talking about, and I mean everyone, including James Woods, got mad about it. Um, and he's apparently, but he's he's quitting all Marvel movies, by the way. He's Yay. done. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that's that's ten dollars I'll never get back. Yeah. So I can't remember the exact quote, but basically it just comes off as everyone's assuming that it's an attack on all white men, and she didn't say that. What I think as I interpreted it, and you know, other people interpretations are always special. Um, she basically said that it's not only about them anymore. And it's and it's a fair argument. It, it, it was not an attack. It was just a recognition of the fact that there is more out there that needs to come out. And she was and she just expressed that. And apparently everyone flipped out because it was like, once again, it goes back to what everyone said. If you're not the center of the universe, you feel bad. And keying in on something I believe Emily said about them not learning well I think they don't want to learn because then they have to look at themselves and kind of what Brie Brie Larson said was you have to accept the fact that there's more out there and it's not about you anymore and I think she highlighted that and I think people just well I think trolls got upset because it was like but you said I can't be special anymore (laughs) Hmm. All right. Emily, what were you saying? Oh, I was just, I, she might have made uh, comments in more than one venue, but the article that I read was very mild, and she never said in the stuff that I saw, this isn't for you. What she said was, all the people that I encountered at the press junkets were, you know, white men. So I started, mm-hmm. I asked somebody to do some research to see if my observations were correct, and was that was there a disparity the person came back and said, yes, there was. And, you know, that's one reason I have picked you, the person interviewing me, who was an African-American disabled woman uh, journalist, to do the interview. And the and in the interview, the you know, because the topic was about the journalist in a way, and that part of the question is like, and, you know, and I have had this experience a lot. So she was just talking about something that happens. She observed it. She actually did research on it or asked someone who was competent about that to do research on it. And then was like, oh, look, this observation was confirmed. Let me see if I can make a change in a way. And did it. And you know what? Great. Good for her. Why are people upset about this? Irrational fear. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Drew, you have uh, something to add? Uh, sure. I mean, I think this is just all part of the bigger puzzle. That, um, you know, she says something, it's immediately taken out of context, it's immediately blown out of proportion, it's immediately assumed to be an attack on white guys, when all she's saying is, let's have more people of more backgrounds, more diversity involved in looking at these things, in reviewing these things, and reporting on them, and in creating them. And... That, unfortunately, like I said, goes back to the irrational response. This is seen as an attack. It's seen as, oh, well, she suddenly hates all white guys. Like, that's not anything like what she said. It's not anything like what she meant. And the fact that you're taking it as an attack indicates that you either have poor listening skills 
or you're looking for something to get angry about and to fire up other people like you so that you have a cause to take to the streets to. And I, I got to say also that um, for men, white men, who go to see the movie and feel uncomfortable or who don't want to feel see the movie because they're feeling uncomfortable about it and are like, well, maybe it's not for us. Well, you know what? Maybe a little bit of it isn't for you. You know, that part in Star Trek where suddenly we went from like a sci-fi action movie to that weirdly uncomfortable undressing of the woman. What was her name? The the you know okay the, wait a minute are you talking about ac- oh okay you know that, what I'm they, talking about yeah they're not all real sudden, Star Trek thing. <laughs> all of a sudden they shoehorned in this scene where like Chris Pine is like you know Kirk is like watching her undress and Ooh. there's no reason for it and it was like doubly uncomfortable for me because she had the same haircut I had at the same time and and I like I was like whoa I was thinking I might cosplay that but not now mm. and and Ooh. you know what I was really uncomfortable and I thought what is that doing in this movie I thought was this kind of movie that's really odd and something that I didn't need and it wasn't for me and I think that one was a terrible choice but that's independent <laughs> of the fact that it wasn't for me I think it wasn't for anybody because that didn't fit in the movie. Mm. But I think it also wasn't for well, me. the movie didn't fit the and movie. And some things <laughs> so. aren't... Yeah, but some things aren't for you. And does that make them something that shouldn't get made? No. Mm-hmm. Does that make them something that you can't watch and go, okay, this is still interesting. Maybe I see another thing down the road and I'm, I'm like, oh, that adds to it. And maybe I do understand something. You know, whatever. Who cares if it's not all for you? Get over yourself. Mm. Well, of course... I think that's the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, go on. I think that's a really good point. And I think Sharia and I have had this conversation before. Um, there are movies I watch, and I can't remember what the most recent movie was, but there, it's a, it was a female lead, and I watched it, and I just didn't get it. And I didn't think it was a bad movie. I was just thinking, oh, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there is nothing wrong with that. There are movies that I watch that, and I think people don't get the fact that if a movie's not about you, it doesn't make it bad, and it doesn't make it an attack. It's just not for you and move on and let someone else enjoy it for what they get out of it. But no, that was the interesting thing that I find that people can't accept the fact that there are things that aren't supposed to be for you. Mm-hmm. Well, when everything has been for you and about you, I can certainly understand how it would be difficult. And, and with that so much for and about you that you don't even recognize when something isn't for and about you. And one of the things that used to uh, entertain me to no end uh, in response to, say, something like black entertainment television, and somebody, I'd hear somebody, you know, just like some white guy, well, what about white? We need white entertainment television. That's wait, it's all white entertainment television. <laughs> television. <laughs> it's like, which is the point of having black entertainment television. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you don't, write, and it was, it was crazy because the same thing with The Wiz, and I heard I somebody remember, I not even thinking, that. yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, well, we need a white version of The Wiz. It's, it's called like, it's The called, Wizard of Oz. Thank you. It was, it was, it was <laughs> done in exactly, 1936. So, exactly, you know. I, I gotta but, say, mm-hmm. um, uh, I appreciate that perspective in, also in the sense that I went to see Captain Marvel with a man, and we both enjoyed it, but there's a pivotal scene in the movie well, wait, wait, wait. that I want to talk hold, about. Yeah, I, hold all, on there. All I'm going to say right here yes. is that he and I discussed it. He thought it was okay, but it was like these two other scenes he'd seen in other things. And I thought, but you missed a whole layer. Hmm. That's very interesting. Time. Yeah. So maybe we could talk about that. Well, <laughs> we absolutely can. And uh, that's a wonderful segue because that's exactly where we were going in the second half of the show to actually talk about <laughs> Captain Marvel. <laughs> anyway, in the meantime, of course, WERA is a community radio station. Time for me to remind everybody about that. The fact that we are non-commercial and that we rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, our sponsors, and our listeners for the totality of the operation of the radio station. Visit the website at WERA.FM. You can find out all about us and all the different ways that you can become involved in this wonderful experiment in community media because uh, it's made by your friends and neighbors. All of the volunteer producers here at WERA uh, are volunteers. They're unpaid and they give their time and their talent to create the hyper-local programming to which you have become accustomed and hopefully that you crave. So I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. This is Fantastic Forum. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be back with more Fantastic Forum right after this. 
And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM Radio Arlington. We are your community radio station. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I am joined this afternoon by Shireen Nicole, Drew Bittner, the creator of The Underfoot, Emily Witten, and Black Gorbachev, Philip Jean-Pierre. We are talking about Captain Marvel, the latest, greatest movie from Marvel Studios. Now, uh, in the first half of the show, we were sort of talking about the advanced fan reaction to Captain Marvel. And uh, I thought there was some true irony involved with that, because had these trolls simply waited for the movie to come out, they might have had some valid criticism that they could have offered. (laughs) Because um, if you listen to my review, uh, you heard that I gave it two stars out of four. And uh, I felt like this movie could have been so much better. And I felt that, uh, regrettably, what must have gone on uh, was the fact that you've got these uh, demands that have been made on this character for the upcoming Avengers Endgame, and I mean, basically, they need for her to be uh, what was it, Shireen? You called Deus Ex Machina? Yeah. Yes, you know, from uh, Greek tragedy. Anyway, so um, yeah, and and you need for this character to be able to kind of help put things right. And well, I tell you right now, what you will see in this movie bears minimal resemblance to the comic source material, either in terms of her power set uh, or, in fact, one of the things that uh, fanboys got really upset about was Brie Larson in an interview uh, said that she thought that Captain Marvel could beat Superman. Now, the Captain Marvel, you know, Ms. Marvel in the comic books, absolutely not. But let me tell you something. This woman in this movie... I think maybe she could beat she Superman. She could beat Superboy Prime. She could beat Dark Phoenix. I think she, she could, could beat, beat a lot of people. <laughs> but also, I just want to—I just want to make the point that if mm. we're gonna be doing the whole, is it like the comics or not the comics, and getting more upset than we would over, for instance, uh, Captain America: Civil War. Well, well then well, well, I, I mean, you know, I can every that. comics movie is go- is is I, gonna have maybe bearing little result. I mean, like, come on, I love the certain things I, about Civil War in the comics. Yeah. And that movie was totally different, I but can I still that. enjoyed we're the not. movie. Yeah, we're not. I mean, and look, if I were going to get upset about uh, similarities or dissimilarities, then the fact that they gender swapped Marvel, the fact that the scrolls oh were, my gosh. Uh, oh my you know, gosh. supposed know, to be so heroes. I mean, there. yeah, there was a bunch of uh, stuff that I could have gotten warning. upset <laughs> oh, about. Oh, spoiler warning, guys! Eh, eh, eh. Spoiler warning. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, well, uh, you know that uh, that that stuff didn't absolutely ruin it for anybody. But yes, but ahead ahead people, there are that spoilers. Is a huge spoiler. Yeah, but yeah. Mm-hmm. but um, Yuli, your your point is good, and I think. Part about the about the fact that like you know it, you'll see certain things in this movie. Something you'll see is uh, one of the earlier Marvel styles, the base origin story, basic yeah. origin story. And I think that one reason that and I I like this movie a lot. I found parts of it very satisfying. I wish I could have connected with other parts of it more emotionally. But um, so I, I'd give it like three or four, you know, something like that. Um, but. One thing is, this is the 21st Marvel movie, the first one with a female lead, and they are hamstrung a little bit by having to now go and do a more basic... I mean, if they want to do it that route and and give her the due that people are probably going to think that the very first, you know, lead deserves to have her origin out there and stuff like that, then they have to go back a little bit to that formula that the movies as a whole have grown beyond even with Ant-Man, it was a heist movie in which he got an origin story. Because by now, it's it's a little more than, you know, what they've built. So I think I think there's a little bit of basicness to it. That that's is, what I said in my review. That's the exact word I used. Well, it's just go. so basic. It is. It's But, I mean, there's still some really good well, stuff. It's fun. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's yeah, a yeah. fun movie. It's but, enjoyable. But it's so basic. It feels like, to use an old term, paint by numbers. Yeah, but, but people lose sight of the fact that all of these superhero movies, you, they all were origin movies. You didn't do a movie where you didn't show the origin of the character. And that's and the I problem. Don't su- no, I don't subscribe to that being a problem, quite I frankly. I really well, do. I don't. <laughs> you know, I'll just tell you right now. That's not... And, 
I, I've heard people say, oh, wow, yeah, you know, no, we don't need to see Spider-Man's origin yet again. No, I, you know, it doesn't bother me. And I think that you can craft a good movie and still have it be an origin story. So the, the three of the best all-time comic book adaptations have been origin stories. Which In order, they? Superman the movie... Iron Man, the first one, yeah, the very Iron first Man, movie first Marvel one. did, and Wonder Woman. But the okay, point that I'm making is different and, and, than and that. totally disagree with Wonder Woman. But, but the, here's the yeah, thing. Actually. <laughs> here's the two. <laughs> the reason why you, and, and you can make the argument for Captain Marvel needing to be an origin story because they needed to shoehorn, as Emily said, her into, that basically they used her as a funnel to go directly into Endgame. So they needed an origin story to justify why this is possible and why this is going to happen. With Iron Man, nobody knows who you are. <laughs> so they had to d create an origin story so that people that are not us in the booth knew who this guy was. Fine. Even to to a certain degree with Superman, the first one, again, you're introducing a character. So, oh, yeah. as if anybody doesn't know that this guy is from Krypton in 1978. I, yes, the character's I, been around I, but, but, for like but, but, but 50 see, years at that point. So then you're proving my point. In 78, maybe you needed it. But every time since, you have not needed no, no, it again. No, but you always need it. But no, you, you never you, you okay, no, need it. You do so. not always need it. And, and, and it's <laughs> called the diehard principle. With the diehard principle, we just got oh, thrown Lord. right in. Next and thing you're going to be dope. telling me diehard is a Christmas also, movie. Part <laughs> of I don't need to tell you that. Everybody knows diehard is a Christmas movie. I don't need to tell you that. So is Lethal Weapon. I don't need to tell you that. The point being is it takes place at Christmas, okay? Now, if you want to ask me is it like you know the the Happy New Year, baby? No, it's not Rudolph. But but Shereen my point being okay, is okay, that origin stories. Are we talking about Captain Marvel here? <laughs> no. And my point I'm going was, back to the fact basic that basic origin story. I'm not saying you can't have an origin story. But what I'm saying is you don't always need an origin story. Or you and give in this the case, you can argue for space it. for other things. So but in an origin story, you need character development. That's, and that's exactly the main all right. Thing so that's Captain what I was Marvel about at. to say. The thing that I was a little disappointed by is that. I wanted more of I wanted them to go further. They didn't go far mm. enough. They I wanted I wanted them to get dirtier with the bad stuff that happens mm. to women mm. that they deal with. Mm. It's not so cut and dried. It's and, not and it was so wide clear. open for that. It and was yeah. wide right, open for but that. But yeah. I think the reason what I was trying to say is 21st movie in the series first female lead, there's pressure from all sides for it to be really amazing if, A, the detractors aren't going to be mad about it, and B, the women are going to be happy with it. And that's hard. Yeah, you're walking And I would have really yeah. liked it if we could have gotten some more bits of humanity, some less, uh, two-thirds of the movie being set up. I would have liked it if Captain Marvel... You know, if her character had Carol Danvers had remembered sooner, if if the first jogs to her memory had suddenly brought it all rushing back, they could have still made the rest of the movie. That the would way have made did. more sense. She yeah. could have still, if she got stranded on Earth, and at that point she knew everything. They could have, she could have still met Nick Fury. They could have still infiltrated the lab. They could have still found found the Tesseract. All the things they did could have been done, and she could have had more confidence. And could still have gone back to what I really want to talk about now, a pivotal moment in the movie, well, which is well, where she wait, sees... Wait just a second. Oh, come on. Don't stop no, me no, on this one. No. It's super important. Yeah, and, and you can come back to that. All right. When I, are we going to come back? Because we only got uh, 20 minutes left. <laughs> Less, actually. All right. Drew, you're sitting over there. You got thoughts. Uh, No. I no, was, you don't? Okay, all right. Uh, Black uh, Gorbachev, you got uh, thoughts. Uh, I'll ring in anyway. I'll ring in anyway. Well, no, no. If you don't have thoughts, because we no, got to... Yeah, I would try to give yeah. a couple other folks a shot, I mean, my, and then we're going back to Emily, because I want to hear what happened with Tom in the movies. My... My, my my bullet here would basically be that it's an origin story. We've seen a lot of origin stories. This could have been a better origin story. I liked it. I think there was an awful lot, but I see where there are a lot of women who look at this and say it was not sufficient, it was not enough, and I, I get that too. There are men who say that too. <clears throat> yeah. Well, it just and, seemed and to I, rest on yay women and yeah. not enough of yeah. writing that. And, and, I, yeah. and, I think that, and I think that there's, there's an issue there, but I also think that this was an origin story that had the problem of we have to not make her a Mary Sue. She can't be a character who comes into Endgame and saves the day. But she, she will be. Yeah. Well, so she, she, the, she'll be there, but we don't know what her role is yet. And, and I, I was saying to Yuli after the movie, I said, she's not going to be the one that saves the day. 
because not that's the just final not, say. That's just not where it's going to be. She's the cavalry. She's she's the heavy weapon that comes in and does does the job, but the winning is going to be the original Avengers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got to yeah. be. All right, Black Gorbachev, what do you think? Oh, oh Philip. Yeah, Philip. Have we lost him? No, he should still be there. Okay, all right. Well, now, all right. In that case, Emily, what happened with Tom? All right. Um, it's not about Tom. This had nothing to do with Tom. I want to I make a through line to the most important mo- point in the movie for me, which Tom well, happened to be there for and we had a discussion. Oh, all right. But, I was wondering right. how he fit so in there. So this is the I, first you know, two things okay. I would like to say is this is one of so far 21 movies, and it is not by far the least of them. It is not my absolute favorite movie, but it is not by far the least of them. And so looking at it as a movie, irrespective of whether it's a woman lead or whatever, it's a pretty darn good Marvel movie. It fits the formula. It advances the storyline of the Marvel movies, and it's pretty darn good. It's if fun. If, yeah. If we're talking, you know, Iron Man 2 or Thor The Dark World, I will go and they will be <laughs> bad movies. Um, but even they advance the story. But so it's a good overall movie. And there are parts of it that I, I would have liked to land better. There are parts of it I would have liked to see a different way. But here's the thing that happened. Uh, like, a few days ago, Gail Simone posted on, um, on Twitter, as she is wont to do. And she, <laughs> I mean, you know, and she was asking about, like, how do you, you know, how do you deal with it when people challenge your geekdom as a woman or as someone who doesn't identify male? And so, so many people responded and poured out, like, all the different times that they've they've had this happen and, and stuff. She didn't even ask how you deal with it. Just has this happen to you? And everybody was, like, dealing with it and, t- and talking about it. And then we get to this movie where, what's his name? Jan Rog. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Law's character. I mean, he's a smarmy, gaslighting abuser, and he's awful. But at first, you don't even know it, which is how gaslighting works. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you get to this point in the movie and I've seen a couple of people crit- critiquing it and saying this is like old school look at feminism where it's like, you know, uh, saying, you, you know, girl, oh, look, girls can be as good as boys. And they're upset that that doesn't go far enough. And I agree with that. But at the same time, this movie managed to work in the moment where he's she's beating him up towards the end of the film. And he's like. He stops and he does the condescending, I'm so proud of you, but if you really could control your emotions and be as good as me, then you would come at me without any of your powers. And she's just like, whatever, dude, and blasts him into the side yeah, of a mountain. I call that the Indiana and, Jones moment there. But that, okay, so that oh, yeah. that was one that came to mind. And I, you know, I was watching the movie with Tom, we were talking about it afterwards, and he was like, well, it's the Firefly thing where he kicks him into the engine. It's the Batman thing where, um, I, I actually don't know that Batman story, but there was a Batman thing with Russians where he's does some kind of, okay, I'm just done with this. And I said... To me, it had an entirely separate layer because this was the moment when she said, I am not playing by your standards anymore. Like Firefly, he's like, I don't have time for you. Boom, into the engine you go. But with her, it was literally him saying, well, if you really were as good as me, you'd do it my way. And her being like, well, your way doesn't matter to me anymore. I don't care. I can do it this way. This way works for me. And all that stuff he'd said early on about controlling her emotions and doing it this way and making it, you know, and it's like the epitome for him was that she had to control her emotions to be her best. And it wasn't true. Well, I think he was just trying to actually get her to stop using her powers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, no, I know that he had an alternate agenda. I'm not saying he believed it, but this Mm. is what he was telling her for the whole movie: is like, here's the pinnacle of thing. You have to do it this way. And this was the moment where she was like, I don't actually, and I don't care. This is the key. This is the key. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you think. This was her mentor. This was the moment she broke out of that moment and was like, I don't care anymore what your opinion is of my standard. My standard is my standard. And that is something that all of us women, when challenged on our geekdom, should respond with. That was empowering. That was was very empowering. empowering. That was one Mm -hmm. of the most satisfying moments in the movie. Tom missed that layer, and I'm not super surprised, and I don't blame him for it or think that that's Mm -hmm. a bad thing. And he appreciated it once you pointed it out. He did. Yeah, Yeah, we talked Mm -hmm. about it. He he did. But, um, and hi, Tom, you're being talked about on the radio. Sorry. (laughs) Um, But also, you know, part of my earlier point, and he wasn't uncomfortable with it. This has nothing, that has nothing to do with him. But part of my point about, like, men who are like, oh, you know, this movie isn't for me. Oh, it makes me uncomfortable. 
Well, so you, maybe you're just missing a layer. Maybe it's not the same for you because you haven't had these experiences. Maybe you should think about that, you know, and figure out why you have the attitudes you do. Again, this part is not at all about Tom. But, you know, I just thought it was interesting how he saw part of it that I saw too, and then I saw an additional part that meant something to me that didn't resonate with him the same way. And I think that some things in this movie did really well because of that. And then some were too on the nose, like the part where the guys, like, smile more. Like, I get it. Everybody's been told that, but it's now also, like, a meme because it's so frequent. We don't need it in the movie. But... Mm -hmm. Well, I, I appreciate uh, what this movie came with. And, and, you know, again, part of what was important about it, first female lead, you know, yeah. but they, they in some ways... I felt as if I was being pandered to. I yes. mean, you know, you had the yeah, first same. female director, too. first female composer. Um, and the only thing, really, I thought that was genuine was that little Akira Akbar. You know, she was the, amazing. The, mm -hmm. yeah. By the way, yeah. mm -hmm. this aside, no, no. quick no, aside, yeah. fanboys. If you really, really not fanboys, but toxic fanboys. Yeah. If you really want to be angry, there's two um, Captain Marvels in this movie, and one of them's black. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Hard yeah. Going. That's be be, true, be yeah. upset about that. If you yeah, didn't catch you know. her best friend's name. <laughs> no, indeed. Yeah. Know. Yeah. And, and then there was just, and not even all the stuff necessarily in terms of, uh, because one of the things, and it was probably the biggest thing about the movie, because I firmly believe that everybody deserves to see a superhero that resembles them. And that absolutely did this yes. for women. You know, and which is great. And, you know, we need more of that. I mean, part of what disturbs me, though, is you look at, all right, D.C., there's Wonder Woman, and she's one of the big three. There, There's no correlating character in Marvel. I mean, I was sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, well, who you got? I mean, the X-Men has the some pretty good female good characters. Yeah. But outside of that, I mean, you know, because a lot of the women in the Avengers, I mean, you know, it, like you're looking at the Invisible Woman in the Fantastic Four, the Wasp, the Scarlet Witch in the Avengers. You know, you don't have that big, I mean, because Wonder Woman can trade punches with Superman. Indeed. You know, and there isn't a there isn't a similar type of character. Well, I mean, in, in, in terms of in terms of raw power, I would say that Scarlet Witch is as tough as pretty much any superhero out there. And but Dark Phoenix has got a lot Dark of raw Phoenix power. Too. Dark Phoenix, but, yeah. But in terms of or stature, Phoenix. in terms of being the name above the title mm -hmm. in in DC's comics, I think that hits it on the head. D or I'm sorry, in Marvel comics, Marvel comics is, just does not have that super iconic female character yet. I, can I say, Yuli, um, just because you said the thing about if you see, you know, seeing someone in the movie, I was huh? actually going to reference something a little off topic, but totally on the nose. Um, it was International Women's Day when this came out, International mm -hmm. Women's Day, mm -hmm. and yes. we had a staff meeting at our work the day before, and my coworker who was running it showed us a video on this woman, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Amy McGrath. U.S. Mm. Marine Corps, mm. and who also, uh, you know, has done a lot of other stuff besides being, uh, as she was, the first female Marine to fly in an F.A. 18 on a combat mission. Mm. I watched a video he showed in the in the staff meeting, and it literally almost mirrored the whole getting up after people telling you you couldn't mm. get up again. Mm -hmm. In the film, I was like, did they see this YouTube video and research Amy <laughs> McGrath before they... But it's interesting because... She, I, then I, you know, I watched another video of her, and she said, "When you see someone who has done things and who looks like you, you internalize it, and you say, well, that can be me too.' And this is a woman who, in, in real life, was, a, you know, is sort of like Captain Marvel, and it's so true, and it's so important. And I just thought that was really interesting that I saw that the day before the movie, and it was like, well, here's real life that we're talking about, and the, you know, our staff person running this is like, here's one of the women I admire, and then you get the movie, and it's like, all right." That, that makes sense to me, and it's great, and it's very important. Even if the movie isn't perfect, it's it's taking those steps. I also want to ask real quick. Uh, well, you, be you better hold on to that, because you're going to oh, no. want to say something about the underfoot. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. All right, this was going to be a two-second question for everybody. That, well, I don't. I don't actually think that we have time for that. Oh, no. 
Well, yeah, because we're right. almost out of time for this episode of Fantastic Forum. But, uh, you know, hopefully, and it's the kind of thing where, obviously, this isn't going away. We don't have figures on this weekend for this movie. Uh, I understand initially it had been expected to do about... 200, uh, well, about 200,000, and then those figures were revised down after you had the trolls doing their thing. But it should still get over 100,000, 100 million, sorry, in the uh, in uh, opening release. And uh, we just got to see where it goes from that because it's a lot of people have responded to it. Um, I think that there is a lot that is good about this movie. I just That's wish true. it had been a little bit. It could have been so much better. Yeah, with that yeah. cast, that yeah. cast oh, is phenomenal. Thank you. Mm-hmm. How, with, with the, how do you not knock it out of the park when you've got like Jude Law and yeah. um, Sam Jackson? Sa- yeah, and and he aged very well. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. Actually, yeah. Actually, I mean, wanna, it's. A, oh. Do you want to talk box office? I'm looking at the thing now and it says it's on track to make 150 million this weekend so we like so, this movie y'all yeah. we just mm-hmm. didn't love it yeah. Uh, yeah indeed all right so emily I real quick like real quick you have a comic book coming out from lion forge press Woo. um you know tell us a little bit about a couple of the appearances you're making all right uh, yeah. you know where, so, where that can be ordered so the comic is the underfoot it's a graphic novel series three of them today are going to be coming out first one comes out uh, april 10th in comic shops april 23rd on amazon everywhere else I will be at C2E2 uh, in Chicago, and I'll be on a Lion Forge Comics panel, and I will also be on the Sci-Fi Wire live stage, 10 a.m. Eastern, uh, 11 a.m. Central Time, so you guys can watch me. We'll be also at the um, a, a Middle Grade Magic live stream event on March 27th for library folks, and then I'll be at Planet Comic Con moderating three comics panels with amazing comics talents uh, the weekend of March 29th to 31st. Okay, there you go. So, yeah. All right. Ooh, hey, and stuff. Fantastic Forum is also a television show. If you happen to be in the Arlington, Virginia area, you can check us out tonight on Arlington Independent Media, Comcast Channel uh, 69, Verizon Fios Channel 38. Also, uh, we're a podcast. You can find us either on iTunes or at the Great Geek Refuge, greatgeekrefuge.com. And the show re-airs each and every Wednesday at 3 p.m. right here on WERA. So if you missed any part of it, you can tune in then. But hopefully you'll come back. Oh, also visit the website at fantasticforum.tv. Uh, you know, great stuff there, too. So, hey, tune in again next week. Same bat time, same bat station. Um, You know, just absolutely love you.